SEP Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes. Chapter 39 Foiled Plots. Harry, Hermione called quietly as she gently knocked on his partially open door. Come in, he said softly. Hermione slowly opened the door and looked sadly on the forlorn man who sat on the edge of his bed. He was hunched over with his elbows on his knees and his head heavy in his hands. Hey, what you doing? Hermione asked. Nothing, he answered heavily. Do you need something? No, you just didn't come back down for breakfast and I got worried about you, she answered, unsure if she should further enter the room. I'm fine, he replied. No, you're not, Harry. Look at you. You're distressed, she said, for lack of a better word. We're all distressed, Hermione, Harry said without looking up. Yes, but you're the only one hiding away, Hermione countered. This is the first time I've stolen some time for myself in the past couple days, he argued indignantly. Surrounding yourself with people doesn't mean you're not hiding. Talk to me, Harry, Hermione pleaded, stepping further in and closing the door. I don't know what to do, he said helplessly. I don't know what to do. Everyone is sitting around waiting for answers and I haven't got anything for them. I don't know what to do. Despite what you may think, people don't expect you to know everything. Yes, they do, he disagreed. People may tell themselves they don't, but they're all waiting for me to say or do something and you know it. They're all waiting. People are in danger and I have no idea what to do or say. Is Molly right? Should we just keep moving everyone here or try putting protective charms on more people's houses? Do we alert the public about this? Do we bait her now and charge into battle immediately or do we wait for something? I'm so afraid for anyone getting hurt that I'm afraid I'm taking too long to decide. Should we bring in oars and the MLE squad? I just wish there was someone who would tell me what to do, he rattled off in frustration. Sleep, came Hermione's answer. What? Harry asked, surprised to get such a simple reply. You need someone to tell you what to do, and I'm telling you to sleep. You've barely slept in days, and it's destroying you, she remarked. I haven't any time to, with, you have time now. You're not going to be of any use to anyone like this. You need rest. Take this, Hermione insisted, handing him a bottle of dreamless sleep draft. But if anything happens, you're not the only brave person with magical skill around here, Harry, Hermione cut him off, crossing her arms in front of her chest. I never thought I was. I know that you and the others, Harry was rather affronted that she would infer that he would believe such a thing. Then trust us enough to let us handle it while you get some sleep for a few hours, okay? It would make all of us feel better, she assured him. Harry sighed and looked down at the bottle in his hands. I guess a little wouldn't hurt. All of it, Hermione ordered when Harry stopped drinking after only half. If I take it all, the Hogwarts Express could come barreling through the room and I wouldn't wake, Harry protested. Blaze and Katie... Blaze and Katie will ask for help if they need it, and you better believe there will be a huge response if they do, Hermione stopped, pursed her lips for a second, and renegotiated. Trust me, Harry. Please... Drink it all, and I promise that if any emergency crops up in which we need to take immediate action, I'll wake you myself, and have an invigoration draft and a wit-sharpening potion ready for you. Please? Harry sighed again, his eyelids already too heavy to stay open, and finished the potion as instructed. Thank you, Hermione said softly, helping to guide his head onto the pillow. He was asleep before it got there. Hermione chuckled and wore a lopsided smile as she surveyed him. As solid as he held himself when he was awake, he was still as peaceful and vulnerable as a child when he slept. Harry's feet hung off the bed, and Hermione shook her head to see that he was still wearing his shoes. 
He'd stopped wearing pajamas altogether and only took his shoes off for showers and for the few short hours that he slept. All other times, he had his shoes on and was properly dressed to leave in case of an emergency. He was intense, so intense, and it hurt her to see him like that. Hermione knelt on the floor beside him, slipped his worn trainers off, and tucked his feet into bed. After pulling the blanket up to his shoulders, she removed his glasses and set them on the bedside table. Life wasn't fair for anyone, but sometimes it seemed considerably more unkind to him. Or maybe it was just Harry that pushed himself too hard. Whatever it was, she had always felt the need to protect him. She ran her fingers through his hair and snorted in amusement when it stayed that way. After putting out the lamp, she made her way to the door and whispered before leaving, "'Rest well, Harry.' "'So?' Jenny asked as Hermione made her way down the stairs into the front hall. "'Is he coming down?' "'No. Actually, he's going to sleep for a little while,' Hermione answered. "'You're joking,' Jenny said, searching Hermione's expression for any sign that she might be. "'No,' she smiled. "'I finally managed to get him to take that sleep draft. He should be out for a few hours.' "'Now I know you're joking!' Despite her words, Jenny saw that Hermione was telling the truth, but the very thought of it was incredible. "'I've been trying for days to get him to take it.' I know. He finally folded, but only with the promise that I would wake him if we needed him. Thanks, Jinny uttered quietly, averting her eyes. No, Jinny, I know what you're thinking. Don't. You know it's not like that, Hermione said, moving to stand in front of her. I can't help it, she said miserably. I just don't understand why he can't trust me the way he trusts you. I told him the same thing. He does trust you. Not like you. It's not about trust. He just treats us differently because we are different. Our relationships with him are different. He loves you so deeply, Jinny. He's dedicated himself to you, loves you, in ways that no other living soul will ever see. I'm his friend. Maybe something like a sister. Nothing more, Hermione explained in earnest. If he trusts me, then why won't he listen to me? Why won't he let me help him? Because it's not in his nature to accept help from others. He's stubborn. I'm stubborn, Jinny vehemently proclaimed. "'Yes, I know, and he loves that about you,' Hermione said with a small smile. "'In your relationship, Harry nearly always submits to you. "'And I don't mean that in a bad way. "'You're not domineering. "'He is just so easygoing and perfectly content in following where you lead. "'When things get serious, though, he won't back down. "'He feels he needs to protect you, to be strong for you. "'With me, it's just the opposite. "'I follow Harry's lead in our relationship, even if it's grudgingly at the same time.' Hermione continued to explain. Her expression became a bit bitter as she remembered how Harry had ordered that she not leave Grimmauld Place. But when things get rough, he depends on me, even if it is a bit grudgingly. Ron and I have seen him at his weakest. It's a part of himself that he never wants anyone to see. He can't hide it from us. He can't hide it from anyone, Ginny said with frustration. We all see he's struggling. But he won't let you see the struggle itself. It's not just for your sake and the others that he does it, though. He feels that everyone depends on him, and so he does his best to be the solid leader. He does it for himself as well. He's afraid that if he admits to his weakness, he'll fall victim to it. He knows that Ron and I see through it, and he allows us to. It's taken a long time, but he's learned to rely on us. Ron? Jenny asked skeptically. He's second tier. He isn't very good at discussing internal battles, so he gives me a shot first. That's all that's been needed in recent times, but whenever it's failed in the past, it usually turns into a pushing and shouting match between the two of them. She bit her lip, and she remembered the last time Ron stepped up. The two of them had stormed off, Harry with a bloody lip. Believe me, Jinny, it's not you. 
I know, Jenny said heavily, and I understand. I do, but sometimes it still hurts. I just wish he would open up to me. And he will, I swear it. But right now, he's just doing what he has to to get by. So I have to play my part. And you, as I've seen you with him, Jenny, and you're doing just what he needs also. We just all have to keep playing our parts until we get through this. With you and I on him from different angles, hopefully we'll have him sleeping, eating, and speaking properly soon. Eating, yes, I've been all over him about that as well. Mom's on him also, but I wonder, do you think it helps or should I ask her to back down a bit? Jenny asked, looking a bit more relaxed. Molly, hmm, Hermione said thoughtfully. Actually, Jenny's epiphany shined in her eyes. We should have Mom cook. That's just what I was thinking, Hermione smiled. He wouldn't be able to push his plate away as easily if she cooked, because he wouldn't want to hurt her feelings. It'd be good for Mom, too. She's as antsy sitting around here as the rest of us. The house elves have plenty of other work to do around the place. Mom will be flattered if we ask her to cook a meal, Jenny grinned. It's a Slytherin-style way to get Harry to eat, but it could work. And we both know he'll be much better off, with a good rest and a full stomach, said Hermione. Agreed. Good. Now that that's settled, I've got to go pen a letter to Kingsley. I'm inviting him over tonight. We've got a lot to go over. After that, do you think you'd feel up to a little dueling? Something to get our minds and bodies active and possibly blow off a bit of steam, Hermione offered. Sounds perfect, Ginny nodded. I'll be ready in a few, then. Hermione... Jenny called as Hermione turned to go. You're a great friend, you know? Not just to Harry. To me, too. Just thanks. You, too, Jenny. A sly smirk tugged at the corner of Jenny's mouth. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go easy on you in our dueling. Good. I wouldn't want it any other way. Expelliarmus! Protego! Stupefy! Protego! Hermione and Jenny's duels started out rather formally, but their spells quickly became sharp, fast, and silent. Darts of colored light shot lightning fast in both directions. Their heart rates increased with their speed. While dodging swiftly to the left, Hermione blindly threw a blue bolt in Ginny's direction and gasped when her spell hit its target. Her nonverbal incarcerous jinx had tightly bound her opponent in ropes and thrown off balance. Ginny fell to the floor. It was lucky for them that both Hermione's mind was fully charged from their activities and she was able to soften Ginny's landing with a quick cushioning charm. "'Oh, Ginny, I'm so sorry!' Hermione cried. Ginny's body shook with laughter. Don't be silly. That's the point of it. A point to you. Hermione chuckled and allowed herself to see the humor in it once she knew Jenny was unfazed. With a tiny flick of her wand, the ropes that bound her ginger friend dissolved to nothing. You're all right, then? Of course, but you should be prepared for retribution, Ginny smirked. Oh, I'm ready. Hermione and Ginny waved their wands in front of them in a quick salute and stepped into dual-ready positions. After you, Ginny offered. Hermione waited another courteous second, ensuring her partner was ready, before casting. Then their spells began to fly fiercely again. "'Bloody hell!' George cried. Hermione spun around and gaped at the man who was only halfway through the front door. "'What's going on?' Fred asked from behind him. "'Our sister Nilly took my head off,' George said, staring indignantly at the spot on the wall only two inches from his good ear, where Ginny's spell had collided. "'Oh, don't exaggerate,' Ginny admonished. "'It was just a jelly legs hex.' "'Still, not the warm welcome I'd hoped for,' George said, finally stepping the rest of the way into the house so that his twin could follow. "'It'll teach you to knock, then,' Ginny shrugged. "'Yes, I suppose it will,' George chuckled. "'But do you really think this is the best place for dueling?' "'In fact, we do,' Ginny replied honestly. "'It's long and narrow, and there aren't as many things to get in our way. "'Or things that might take damage from our spells,' Hermione added. "'Well, perhaps you should stick a sign in front of the door to protect any future visitors,' George suggested.' 
There's already a sign, Jenny countered with her hand on her hip. It's a brass plaque just below the knocker that says, Please knock. Right. What are you two doing here anyway? Aren't you supposed to be working? Jenny said with narrowed eyes. Merlin, getting the third degree here. We're just stopping in because Fred has a surprise for Aurelian, George declared. Yeah, do you know where he is? Fred asked. Yeah, I think he's upstairs in the library with Draco and Pansy, Hermione answered. Fred nodded and raced up the stairs. Knock first, Jenny shouted after him, chuckling to herself. So what's the surprise? Hermione hesitantly asked George. She wasn't sure whether it was better if she knew or not. I haven't the foggiest, George stated, though his voice was still sounding upbeat. He looked a little hurt. Fred went out on an errand to get something from the apothecary and came back raving that he had a surprise for Aurelian. Must be good as he forgot to bring back the list of items he went out for. Hermione and Ginny exchanged anxious and apprehensive glances. Neither of them seemed to know how to respond as George's hurt was apparent to them both. So, have Katie and Blaze returned yet? George asked. As quickly as he changed the subject, his mood changed and the sadness they had glimpsed was gone. No, not yet, Ginny answered. Greengrass didn't make the drop until late, and Katie used to make the drops before lunch, so there's really no telling when we can expect Mr. Pusey to make the drop, if he's even in this at all, Hermione explained further. That's one job I'm not sure I could handle well, sitting around, hiding, and waiting, George said, shaking his head. I think I'd... Is it big? Will I like it? Aurelian asked excitedly as he bounced in Fred's arms with each step Fred took down the stairs. You'll just have to wait and see, Fred answered. Fred, what are you doing? Hermione asked with concern as Fred passed her without a word. I've got a surprise for Aurelian, Fred answered, completely nonplussed. Yes, but you can't take him from the house, Jenny scolded. Oh, come on, Fred argued lightly as he reached for the handle of the front door. I know, Fred, Hermione said firmly, reaching out to take Aurelian from his arms. I'm not against surprises, but Hermione flew backward and the air was knocked from her as she hit the wall. George's call of stupefy echoed loudly in her ears, and she blinked in confusion as she watched Fred's body sink to the floor, Aurelian still in his arms. Mummy? Mummy? Aurelian murmured anxiously. His lip quivered, and Hermione could already see the tears begin to glisten in his eyes. Imperious, George uttered breathlessly. His face was chalk-white, and his hand trembled violently as he held his wand trained on his unconscious twin's form. I should have realized it. How did I not realize that he was imperious? Mummy? Hermione pushed herself off the wall and quickly pulled Aurelian into her arms. It's okay, love. Everyone's all right. Yeah, you know Uncle Fred, Jenny said brightly. He loves to joke, doesn't he? Joke? Aurelian asked suspiciously. Yeah, Mummy's okay, see? And Uncle Fred's just pretending to sleep, Fred quickly played along, purposely keeping his eyes off of his jinxed brother. Aurelian looked to Hermione for confirmation, who simply nodded and tried to keep her tears at bay. While Aurelian wasn't looking, Ginny sent her Patronus up the stairs to fetch Draco, as the poor boy had come to associate their Patronuses with danger. "'But my prize!' Aurelian asked George. "'Oh, I've got it right here, buddy!' While George's smile was usually something that left people with a glowing feeling inside, this smile didn't reach his eyes and was painful for Hermione and Ginny to see. He gave a furtive glance in Fred's direction and quickly dug through the large pocket of his magenta work robes for anything he might be able to give Aurelian as a surprise. "'There we go!' A box of Honeyduke's chocoballs and a light pointer toy wand. What's going on? Draco asked as he took the stairs two at a time. Molly followed on his heels. Ginny, I saw your Patronus pass on the stairs. Is everything all right? Merlin! Fred! It's okay, Mom. It's a joke, George said heavily. Hermione could tell by the quiver in his lip that he smiled. His facade was about to break. 
A joke? Molly asked skeptically. Yeah, Jenny said, while very gently shaking her head no behind Aurelian's back. Draco, why don't you take Ari upstairs now? Daddy, look what Uncle Goach gave me! Is my prize! Aurelian said excitedly. Draco nodded dutifully to Ginny and took Aurelian from Hermione's arms. He looked over his shoulder the entire trek up the first staircase, his eyes on Fred and the distressed group that surrounded him. He watched as Ginny broke and fell to her knees before he made it to the first landing, but Aurelian was too preoccupied with his new toy to notice. "'Enough of this bloody game! What happened to my Fred?' Molly demanded as she worriedly fell to her knees at Fred's side. "'He was imperious,' George said despondently. He would never try to take Aurelian away otherwise. I should have known when he came back empty-handed and needed to see Aurelian immediately. We never even kept the smallest secrets from each other. How did I not see it? It's not something you expect, George, Ginny consoled him. Taking a deep, steadying breath, she joined Molly at Fred's side. It won't help him to keep him like this. I, I'm sorry, Hermione said meekly. With a small jab of her wand, Fred's hands and feet were bound by the incarcerous spell. It might be best if you step back a pace, Molly. You too, Ginny. Molly and Ginny obeyed, and Hermione knelt directly in front of Fred. Renovate. Fred moaned softly and moved his head to one side. Fred? Hermione called gently. Fred's eyes fluttered open, and he stared directly into Hermione's face. His face paled instantly, and his eyes went out of focus as his mind replayed scenes in his head. Oh, Godric, he uttered breathlessly. I think I might be sick. Fred, I need you to keep staring straight ahead, Hermione instructed. She lit the tip of her wand and held it in front of each eye. His eyes are dilating fine. If he was under the Imperius, he's not any more. Hermione, I'm sorry, Fred said earnestly. There was such pain and guilt in his eyes that it hurt her to look at him. Fred. Fred looked up at his twin and saw that he shared the same miserable expression. I solemnly swear, George prompted. I won't finish that, George. You'll need to find a different security question. My mischief's been managed. Fred spoke with a quiet dejection. Your Patronus? Ginny asked. Fox, he answered, averting his eyes in shame. Hermione immediately released him from her charm, and he rubbed his freed wrists. Oh, Merlin, Fred, what happened to you? Ginny cried, falling in front of her brother again. Molly had already beaten her there and was cupping his cheek. Let's get him off the floor first, said George. He pushed past his mother and sister and helped Fred to stand. Let's get you to the sitting room. I can't make it there yet, said Fred, leaning on his twin. George conjured a plush armchair in the middle of the entrance hall and helped him into it. Oh, my Fred, Molly whimpered, brushing Fred's long ginger hair out of his eyes. What happened, Fred? Hermione asked tentatively. I saw her. I saw Bellatrix herself, he stated flatly, his eyes distant. George hugged his arms around himself and stared at the floor at his feet. It was too painful to see his brother in such a state. I went to get some things from the apothecary. I shouldn't have let you go alone, George muttered with chagrin. Neither of us thought of it, said Fred, taking the blame. We should have. I was only a few paces from the door when I felt the imperious curse take over. It led me to the back alley near Ollivander's. The three of them were waiting for me there. Two masked Death Eaters, and her— they met me with the Cruciatus curse. Fred's mouth pulled into a grimace as he remembered the excruciating pain and saw his expression mirrored on his twin. The news came as no surprise to Hermione. From the moment she'd revived him, Fred's muscles had twitched at random intervals, a common side effect of the Cruciatus curse. 
She doubted that the spasms had been overlooked by the others, but prior suspicions did nothing to soften the news that their dear friend, brother, and son had been ruthlessly tortured. "'It was even before she asked anything,' Fred continued. "'She demanded that I tell her where we were hiding Aurelian. She wanted me to say everything I knew of him. I didn't tell her anything, Hermione, I swear. Not a thing,' he vehemently declared. "'I know, Fred,' Hermione answered, feeling great empathy.' She intimately knew the pain he must have endured during Bellatrix's questioning. Hermione had no doubts that he revealed nothing about her son. Fred was a strong and courageous man. He would never aid the enemy. He loved Aurelian, would never sacrifice any information concerning him. She doesn't know that he's from the future, though. Fred's statement surprised them, and even George could not keep his eyes averted. She believes he's a seer. What? Hermione asked, utterly perplexed by the idea. She showed me some of his drawings that she'd taken with her. They looked much like scribbles, but once you looked properly, you could see what they were. They were pictures of Death Eaters, burning buildings, battles, and people in the clouds. She believes they're visions. His eyes were closed as he remembered each illustration. He draws that stuff? George asked with concern. Hermione nodded. I hate it when he does, but I didn't want to hurt him by throwing them out or asking him to draw happier things. I thought it might just be part of the healing process for him. I never imagined she'd find them, let alone jump to that kind of conclusion. Because it's ridiculous conclusion, Ginny snapped. She can't seriously think that Ori would have told us specific dates and events from the future, can she? She wasn't playing, Fred said firmly. Whether preposterous or not, she believes it, and that's why she wants Aurelian. To tell the future for her? George asked. Fred's nod of affirmation cast the group into silent thought. That's enough for now, Molly said, getting to her feet. "'Won't you let me make you some tea, Fred?' "'Sure, Mom, but I need to see Aurelian first. "'I probably scared him to death. "'I only pray I haven't scarred him.' "'Tears began to prick Fred's eyes for the first time "'since he had arrived at headquarters. "'No, Fred, we wouldn't allow him to think badly of you. "'We acted like it was all a joke. "'He was confused, but George gave him some candy and a toy, "'and he acted like nothing even happened,' Ginny assured him. "'I'm so sorry, Hermione,' he apologized again. "'No, Fred, I'm sorry that happened to you.' Hermione answered as she bit back tears of her own. "'Let's get you to the sitting-room now,' said George. Fred wrapped his arm around George's shoulders, and George snaked his around Fred's middle to help steady him. His pain and weakness had been masked by the strong influence of the imperious curse, but with the curse dispelled, he felt even weaker than before. It was only then, trying to walk, that Fred realized how much energy keeping up the act had cost him, an act that he had never wished to play. "'Why don't you start that tea now, Mum?' "'Fred can see Aurelian once he's recovered some,' Jenny suggested. Fred nodded in agreement, as he allowed his twin to help him to the sitting-room. "'I'm sorry for stunning you, mate,' George said quietly to his brother. "'No, I'm glad you did,' Fred replied in the same hushed tone. "'If you hadn't—' "'You did good, brother.' Stopping in front of a long red sofa, George helped Fred lie down. "'Can I get you anything, Fred?' Jenny asked anxiously. "'Nah, I'll be all right.' he replied, giving his best attempt at a reassuring smile. "'Where's Harry?' asked George. "'He'll want to know what's happened.' "'He's sleeping,' Ginny answered, fidgeting with her fingers. Hermione finally got him to take that sleep draft. "'Don't wake him,' Fred and George hastily ordered in unison. "'There's nothing to do about it right now, so don't bother him on my behalf,' Fred demurred. "'I wasn't going to put it like that,' said George, looking a bit irritated at the way Fred made himself seem unimportant. "'But Harry does need some rest.' Fred's well looked after now. We can fill him in on everything when he wakes. Hermione and Ginny both made tiny nods in concurrence. They stood side by side for moral support, as the attack on Fred had struck them both quite hard. 
Silent tears ran down their cheeks as they stared at Fred's weak, pale form. Accio, Hermione whispered the spell. She waited a few patient seconds, and a bottle of light red liquid flew into the room and directly into Hermione's hand. Here, Fred. It's a calming draft. One sip should do. It'll help release the tension in your muscles and stop the twitching, she offered. Fred took the bottle and watched the contents within slosh up the sides. He seemed to be carefully considering the suggestion. I will, if you could slip a couple drops into Mum's tea. She might very well be more tense than I am, he said finally. I can do that, George agreed. For him, it wouldn't even be a challenge. All right, then. Fred unstopped the bottle and took a sip. The effects were instantaneous. Fred's body visibly relaxed and a small, content smile twitched at the corners of his mouth. You know, it might not hurt for all of you to have a little nip yourself. Normally, Hermione would have declined immediately, and she didn't like taking potions unless they were absolutely necessary. But something in the way she watched Fred relaxed made her envious. It wasn't a potion to make a person happy. Her worries wouldn't vanish. It was exactly what it said. A calming draft. The fact that you're debating it is proof enough that you could use it, Ginny said, handing Hermione the bottle. We both discussed how Harry needs to take care of himself and relax. So do you. Hermione's heart was still anxiously thrumming in her chest from all that had happened in the past few minutes, and the terrifying vision of Fred hand-delivering Aurelian into Bellatrix's hands. A small sob escaped her, and she took the bottle from Ginny. As soon as the liquid touched her tongue, Hermione's muscles unclenched, and she felt warmth flow through her as all the heaviness inside of her was lightened. Her worries did not vanish. They were still quite real, but the edge had been taken off of each stabbing concern. Everything was still there, but much less intense. It was exactly what she needed, a reminder of what her normal felt like. "'I'm going to go let Draco know what happened,' Hermione told them, handing the bottle to George. "'Make sure Molly gets it.'" As the morning hours whittled away, the effects of the calming draft faded. By noon, Hermione's constant state of anxiety had returned, as had the other two women's. Fred and George, however, seemed cheered simply by Aurelian's smile, which prevented lunch from being a silent affair. Hermione appreciated it greatly. The noise, excitement, and laughs shared between the twins and the small boy were exactly what everyone needed. It broke Hermione's heart to have to split them up when Aurelian's nap time arrived, but the twins assured her it was fine. Fred was still a little worn and joined him, taking a nap in Ron's bed. "'So, what are you up to now?' Ginny asked as she and Hermione slowly began ascending the kitchen stairs. I don't know, really. I thought of reading, but I just can't focus right now. Draco and Pansy are playing chess in the library. I might go watch, Hermione answered in a dull voice. We could always duel again, Ginny offered. Thanks, but I think I'm done dueling for the day. Yeah, I don't really want to either, but I can't stand just sitting around and waiting, Ginny said despondently. Maybe I'll just go take a nap like the others. It'll at least pass the time until Kingsley gets here. It actually sounds like a rather nice idea to me, but I should— Help! Somebody help! Without a second's hesitation, Ginny and Hermione flew up the remaining stairs and rushed into the entrance hall. Their breaths caught when they saw Blaze lying across the threshold. Katie knelt at his side, looking absolutely terrified and helpless. Oh, Godric! What happened? Hermione cried, rushing to Blaze aside. He moaned and withered on the floor, expressing no sign that he even knew she was there. Expecto Patronum! Ginny's Patronus burst forth from her wand. It's Blaze! Ginny slashed her wand through the air, and her silvery horse galloped swiftly up the stairs to deliver her message to Draco. What happened to him? Hermione repeated quickly, looking at Blaze over for any obvious injuries. It was a curse. I don't know what it was, Katie whimpered. You were attacked? Hermione worried. Who? Yes, 
They have Pusey. He's on their side now. They knew it was a setup. They stormed into the alley and started throwing spells everywhere, she explained. But you were under the cloak, weren't you? Ginny asked. Yes, but they still knew we were there. Or at least that someone was. Blaze! Draco shouted as he thundered down the stairs. Oh, fuck! Blaze! Draco knelt at Blaze's head and called his name, but Blaze did not respond except for more groaning and sobbing. One of the spells hit him and he cried out and fell to the ground. They tried to summon the invisibility cloak, and I apparated it here. Katie continued to Hermione. Did they see you? she demanded. No, the cloak didn't budge, she answered. Merlin, I don't see anything, Hermione said helplessly. What curse did they use? It was nonverbal. I don't know what it was, Katie covered her mouth to stifle a stab. The light. Was it purple? Draco demanded. His eyes were fierce when they met Katie's, but rather than frighten her, Draco's strength comforted her slightly. "'Yes,' she answered breathlessly. "'Blaze! Blaze!' Draco caught his friend's head in a vice-like grip and forced him to stare him in the eyes. "'Blaze, does it burn?' he asked clearly. "'Yes!' Blaze groaned. "'Out of the way. We have to get him into the sitting-room.' "'Oh, Blaze!' Pansy sobbed. "'Draco, do you know what it is?' "'Yes, don't touch him!' Draco snapped when Pansy moved to take his hand. "'It hurts. Don't touch him!' Draco used a levitation spell to lift Blaze into the air and guide him to the sofa that Fred had been placed on only a few hours before. "'Ginny, pain potion,' Draco requested as he began stripping off Blaze's shield cloak. "'What is this? I've never seen anything like this,' Hermione worried. "'It doesn't have a name. If it does, I don't know it. But I've seen it enough times,' Draco answered brusquely. "'His blood is scorching.' "'What?' Katie and Pansy asked together in horror. Draco ripped open Blaze's shirt and cast a cooling spell on his bare chest. Draco! Ginny called as she rushed back into the room. Draco looked up and quickly took the bottle from her and uncorked it. Blaze! Draco said loudly and clearly. Drink this. It'll help. Without waiting for a response, he poured the potion into his mouth. Almost instantly, Blaze stopped twitching and groaning, but he still panted heavily, and his face and chest were dotted with perspiration. Perny! Draco called. Master Draco? Perny asked with a smile when she popped into their presence. Her smile vanished the moment she set eyes on Blaze. See if you can find a summer sipper. If not, a glass of ice-cold water, quickly. Sir! Perny nodded and disappeared with a crack. Is there anything I can do? Hermione asked helplessly. I don't know. He's burning up. We need to find a way to cool him down inside quickly, Draco answered, running his fingers through his hair. My feet... "'My feet! Get them off!' Blaze panted. Everyone exchanged concerned glances, and Hermione and Pansy moved toward his feet and quickly began unlacing his shoes. They pulled them off and rushed to remove his socks. Hermione's eyes scanned his feet but saw nothing out of the ordinary. Assuming they were overheated like the rest of him, she cast an extra cooling charm on his bare feet. "'My feet! Get them off! They're crawling on me! Get them off!' Blaze whispered, tossing his head from side to side. "'There's nothing there,' Pansy announced in confusion and fear. "'It's the heat. He's hallucinating,' Draco announced. "'Sweet Salazar! His skin!' Pansy exclaimed when she actually touched him. "'His blood can't actually be scorching, can it? It—it it won't kill him, will it?' "'The spell has the potential, but it won't at this point. We need to cool him quickly, though, or it will damage his veins,' Draco replied seriously. "'It can be repaired if he gets to that.' but I don't want to see it come to that. Pansy, go to the first bathroom and run a cold bath. Just cold water. Pansy nodded, still staring at Blaze with intense concern. Now, Pansy, Draco ordered. Where's Harry? Katie asked anxiously. Shouldn't he be here? He's sleeping, 
Should we wake him? Chinny asked Hermione anxiously. No, the group was rather surprised by Draco's firm answer, so he continued a little defensively. What would that accomplish? He'd be standing around as worried and helpless as the rest of us. We're not going to chase anyone down right now, so let him sleep. We want him well rested for when the minister gets here. We'll fill him in when he wakes. The minister? Kingsley's coming? Katie asked. Master Draco, Perny appeared at Draco's side with a bottle of marked Scorcher Summer Sipper. Thank you, Perny. That is all, Draco said, dismissing her with a nod. Draco unscrewed the bottle cap and let the beverage fizz for a moment. The beverage was a summer staple in the wizarding community, a refreshing drink that cooled one from the inside. It was exactly what Blaze needed. Blaze, Blaze, sit up, Draco instructed as he tried to help Blaze into a sitting position. Blaze's body was terribly hot to the touch. Blaze, damn it, sit up! The heat is too much for him, Draco. He can't function properly, Hermione said gently. Get him to the bath first. Draco nodded curtly and thrust the bottle of summer sipper into Katie's hands. Remembering his manners a little late, he muttered a small thank you, and as he levitated Blaze's body again and ushered him up the stairs. Draco, it's— Pansy's shout was cut short as she turned the corner and bumped right into him. The bath is ready, she announced softly, stepping aside for Draco, Blaze, and the accompanying party. Without wasting time to remove Blaze's clothes, he settled his friend's body into the frigid water. His breathing became fast and erratic. "'Oh, gods, Draco, tell me he'll be all right,' Pansy pleaded. "'He'll be fine. He's not in pain. The pain potion numbed his nerves in that sense. His body is just adjusting to the temperature. If anything, I'm sure he's more comfortable,' Draco reassured her as he took a seat on the lid of the toilet. "'You said you've seen this before,' Katie asked anxiously. "'Yes.' Rabastin's own creation and his personal favorite, Draco answered with his lip curled in disgust. If it's not dealt with right away, it can lead to a slow, painful death. Even if the person gets treated, it's nearly as painful as the Cruciatus, as far as I hear, anyway, and is ensured to cripple the enemy for a time. Blaze started moaning again, but this time it became more as a pleasant hum. He blinked his eyes and took time to survey his company. He had known Draco was there, and vaguely recognized some of the other voices, but it wasn't until that moment that he really registered it at all. "'Coming around a bit?' Draco asked. "'Yeah,' Blaze answered softly. "'What happened? Is Katie all right?' "'I'm here. I'm fine,' Katie answered and nibbled on her lip. She looked like she wanted to get closer, but hung back by the door uncertainly. "'Does it hurt?' "'No. My body just feels... off. My heart's beating funny, and my brain... It feels numb. It makes me want to close my eyes, Blaze explained. You can if you need to, but you still have to answer us, Draco said. Can you move all right now? No, it's... it's weird. Like, in my arms, my muscles feel soft and weak, like mush. But my skin feels as tight as a drum. What happened to me? It was a nasty curse, Draco stated simply. The feelings are all in your head, though. Your body temperature is off. Besides being overheated on the inside and cold skin from the cold water. You're all right. My heart is beating in my head like a drum, Blaze said miserably. If it doesn't hurt, then just close your eyes and enjoy it, Draco said, trying for a smile. Failing, he got up and offered Pansy his seat. Keep an eye on him and make sure he doesn't slip beneath the water or anything. As soon as you think he can, offer him the drink. You still might have to hold it for him, he instructed, Katie and Pansy. The girls nodded, and Ginny and Hermione joined him in the hall. He's looking quite a bit better already, Hermione said in encouragement. Yeah, he'll be okay, Draco replied. He let out a large sigh and covered his eyes as he tried to think. Ginny, why don't you go get your mom and George, and as a group, go collect the rest of your family. 
I don't think it's a good idea for any of them to be out when the Death Eaters seem so active today. Not Fred? She checked. No, he's seen enough action for one day, he remarked, as he rubbed his temples in effort to release some of his tension. We'll be back soon, then, Jinny answered. She nodded to Hermione and went further up into the house to find her mom and George. Draco, are you all right? Hermione asked, rubbing him on the back. Fine, he snapped more harshly than he meant. He blew out a calming breath and tried again, more gently. I'm all right. Are you sure there's nothing I can do? She asked, slipping her hand into his. Right now? No, he said dejectedly, allowing her to pull down the defenses he had instinctually pulled up. When she saw the change in him, Hermione wrapped her arms around his waist. Draco pulled her to him and curled his upper body down around her to bury his nose in her wavy hair. I love you, she whispered to him. I love you too, he returned. I'm sorry he got hurt. I see how much it's hurt you too. Draco nodded, but did not feel like discussing his feelings right then. There were other things on his mind. When the Weasleys get back here, I think we should take Ron and George and see if you can set up the Fidelius around either Shell Cottage or the Burrow. I would, but I promised that you wouldn't leave without the permission of three or more Order members. That doesn't mean express permission from Harry himself, Draco reminded her. This place is getting a bit cramped, and it seems that our numbers are growing. I'm making Blaze stay at least one night. I think it'd be beneficial if we had another safe house. We're already using Shell Cottage a bit like that, but I think the burrow would actually allow more space in case we need it. Whichever we choose, it could use the Fidelius charm if you can manage it. Yeah, she said. I think I can. The burrow is a good idea, but who do we make secret keeper? Ron. Ron will want that right, that honor, and he'll be there, he answered. They're growing on you, aren't they? Hermione asked with a lopsided smile. Who? The Weasleys. All of them, she teased lightly. Yeah, well, Draco grumbled, averting his eyes. Have I mentioned that I love you? Draco felt her smile against his skin just before she placed a soft kiss on his neck. Despite all that was going on, he couldn't help but smile to himself. You might have, he answered. But could you tell me again just once more? I'll tell you twice more if you can do me just one little favor. What's that? he asked. Go into the sitting room and just sit down for five minutes, she requested. I can't. Blaze... Blaze is well cared for right now, Hermione interrupted. You need just a five-minute break. Please? I'll not let you act as hard and stubborn as Harry. Five minutes. No need to get insulting. I'll sit, he grumbled playfully. Hermione chuckled, placed a tender kiss upon his lips, and whispered, I love you, I love you, I love you. What's the third one for? Draco asked suspiciously. Just because, 